What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content. I really appreciate you guys throwing a follow down over there. Specifically on Ethos Fantasy BB, we're still trying to grow that account up a little bit here. Before the end of the season, I know we've only got a week left. We're trying to squeeze out all the followers we can so you guys are all ready for our content that will be coming out throughout the offseason and into next year. I've been rhyming this one off pretty recently uh, on these last couple shows, but I will say it again here. We are bringing people on at Sports Ethos across all sports, specifically here. Obviously, we're talking baseball, but if you're interested in basketball, football, hockey, soccer, tennis, whatever it is, if you're really passionate, if you like to write podcasts, uh, you know, if you're just interested in getting into the sports or fantasy sports industry in general, please do reach out to either myself or Dan Bespris, specifically me for baseball, Dan for more of the other sports. But we're really looking for writers, baseball analysts, team coverage podcast hosts. Maybe you're a fan of specific team and you'd like to talk about them a couple times a week over a podcast. We'd be interested in having that kind of thing uh, going on here. We already do mostly on the NBA side. We have a couple of basket or a couple of baseball shows. Um, we're just launching our fantasy hockey show. There's a lot of different options here. So if you are somebody who's looking for a way to crack into the industry, please do uh, reach out, shoot me a DM. But today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. It'll be more similar to what we did at the beginning of the year. Now I don't know how many of you guys were listening early on in the season, but what I used to do here was go through every single game that would be taking place that night. It would lead to some longer shows. This was when I first started out, still trying to figure out what exactly I wanted this to be. And I would go through literally every single matchup, talk about the pitchers and sometimes some of the batters. And it, it, was, a, it was a long show. It was a really long show. I couldn't talk about some of the other things that I'd like to talk about because it was kind of, it, it was taking up a lot of time. I, I would spend five plus minutes on every game. You're talking 15, 12 to 15 games every night. You're looking at an hour-long show. But tonight, I think it makes the most sense to do that. I say tonight. It's today. But you might be listening tonight. Who knows? Today, we're going to be doing something that's more similar to that. I'm going to go through every single pitching matchup that is taking place today and this evening and just try and get a feel for these starters. I mean, some of them we're not going to spend too much time on. Obviously, Garrett Cole is not going to be somebody that you're going to be picking up, so we don't need to spend too much time on him. Let's talk about him briefly. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about all the games. But I don't think it makes too much sense anymore, really, to spend so much time looking back on yesterday and looking through the waiver wire because it's just kind of skewed. I mean, yesterday's top performers, sure, there's always going to be a bit of a mixed bag of good players, mediocre players, bad players having a good day. And I, I like talking through that. Throughout the regular season, I think it makes a lot of sense to go through who was doing well the previous day. It's what people are interested in, especially if it's one of their players they like to hear about. You know, you have Goldschmidt, he hits two home runs. You want to hear about Goldschmidt the next day you know, pump the tires up a little bit. But we are going to be doing something that I think is a little more valuable in terms of, or I should say actionable uh, this time of year. Because going through the waiver wire specifically, I mean, you can look back on yesterday's top players. It's not, it's not going to hurt. But I think going through the waiver wire right now, there's just nobody playing anymore. And every league, we said this yesterday a couple times, every league there's a maximum of two people left. There's only two people left. Or there's the league is done. Those are the options. So you're going to see a lot of numbers on Yahoo and ESPN for ads that are just like, it doesn't really make so much sense. So I'm not going to really talk about those today. Those are, those are on Yahoo's site and their app if you guys want to go and see them. We're not going to really do that today because I don't think it really makes that much sense. I mean, if I'm just going to take a brief second here and look, I mean, I looked earlier, but just to share with you guys, all of the top ads are just all pitchers for tonight. It's literally just every pitcher that's going under the sun that is available. And we're going to talk about all of them. 
I just don't think it makes so much sense to go through them specifically here. I would rather just go through them on a matchup basis. So let's just get this thing going right here. Let's start with the first matchup that will be taking place tonight. There is one game that's already underway today. It's Cincinnati and it's Pittsburgh. Uh, that one's in the bottom of the eighth inning. 3-0 Pittsburgh. We don't need to worry about that one. Let's talk about the Guardians and the Rays to kick things off here. So some big news these last couple of days has been that Tyler Glass now will be coming back from the injured list, and that will be tonight to start against Cleveland. I'm a little worried about this one. We've seen him. He's one of the top added players today. He's more than 4,000 people have added him up, but he's only going to be throwing 45 pitches. So he's needing to get a decision is almost impossible. Like he'd have to be like perfect through five innings and then be pulled and you know maintain whatever lead that he would hopefully have gained in that time. Decision pretty much out the window. Can he get a couple of strikeouts? Maybe. This one's just too risky for me. I, I'm staying away from Tyler Glass now here. Maybe he does well. Maybe he doesn't. But for 45 pitches, there's just not a lot of upside there. There's really not. Cleveland is a pretty decent team. He can go out there for 45 pitches and just get shit on. And I mean, maybe he does well. But even if he does well for 45 pitches, you're looking at maybe three innings, which is, you know, you might as well just stream in a solid reliever for this week if you're going to go with Glass now. For me... I don't think it makes really any sense. They're not going to push him too much here. I mean, the Rays, I uh, forget if they're secured in their playoff spot now. I, I haven't looked. Yeah, they're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot, I think. Maybe there's something that could happen, but I don't think they're going to be pushing Tyler Glass now too much here. I wouldn't really be trying to start him, to be honest with you. I think it's a little bit too risky. His counterpart, Tristan McKenzie, he's definitely somebody I'd feel comfortable starting. The Rays' offense is never really... I mean, they they have good pieces here and there. They do well as a whole, but they're not the scariest uh, offense as a team. And I wanted to pull up their team rankings because they're they're more so scary in terms of just the whole composition of the team. In terms of batting, they're 20th in runs, 20th in on base, 16th in hits, 24th in slugging, 25th in home runs. They're not the scariest offense, so that's number one right there. Number two is that Tristan McKenzie has been really solid this whole year, but specifically recently. He's coming off that eight-inning, two-run, 13-strikeout performance against Chicago. A couple of solid starts before that against Minnesota. He's done a very solid job. I have no no trouble starting Tristan McKenzie here tonight, but I think on the other side, Tyler Glass now, it's just not going to be worth it. Let's move on and talk about the next game here, Kansas City and Detroit. A couple of bottom feeders, but it's okay. We're only going to be paying attention to this one because of fantasy anyway. Daniel Lynch and Matt Manning. So Daniel Lynch, I mean, maybe you'd be tempted to stream him in because he's coming off of a couple of all right starts against Minnesota, three earned runs and eight strikeouts. The most recent one, four innings, one earned run, and only three strikeouts. But not not terrible, still not terrible. He's starting in a pretty spacious Detroit ballpark tonight against a fairly poor offense. I think he's too risky for me personally. If I'm going to be streaming Daniel Lynch, it would be out of an absolute desperation Hail Mary and it's probably a little bit too early in the week to be doing that kind of thing in head-to-head. It's only Wednesday. You don't really know what's going to happen the rest of the week. Daniel Lynch could be good, but likely is probably not going to be good. His counterpart, Matt Manning, we highlighted him yesterday as being one of the guys who I'm looking to stream this week. Now, he's coming off a bit of a stinker against the Orioles. Uh, five runs, three of them earned, and five walks. But I think that he should be able to bounce back against Kansas City. Baltimore, it's hard to really place Baltimore this season. They're still in a, in a transition period, but they are they are pretty strong offense. I know I've, I've bounced around back and forth. I do generally feel comfortable streaming against them still, but they've definitely made strides. So them having a good game against Matt Manning, it's not to say, like, you know, it's not like the Athletics had a great game against him or the Nationals, although we did see what the Athletics did to DeGrom the other day, but 
I'll leave that one alone. Matt Manning, for the most part recently, he's been pretty good. If you go back to beginning of August, roughly, yeah, let's go back to the beginning of August. There have been two starts where he's allowed more than three earned runs. The strikeouts can either be one, it can be five, it can be eight. I'm sure he could hit 10, hypothetically. He's a little bit volatile, but I think in terms of all the guys we're looking at today, and even if you look back on yesterday's show, over the next couple of days, he's probably one of your safer options here at home against Kansas City. So Matt Manning, I would say I'm pretty pretty confident in streaming and starting tonight. And on the other side, Daniel Lynch, I would probably be leaving alone. Let's go to the next game here, the Braves and the Nationals. Jake Odorizzi and Josiah Gray. Jake Odorizzi, I'd feel all right about. I know he's coming off of a really terrible start, allowing eight earned runs, and a lot of people would just stay away based on that alone. But I'd ask you, how often does that kind of thing happen consecutively? Two starts in a row, allowing eight earned runs. His previous start was against the same Phillies that he allowed eight runs against, and it was one earned run, five strikeouts, one walk over four and two-thirds. These kind of things happen. You you do allow some blow-ups throughout the season, and Jake Odorizzi is not a great pitcher. He's really not. But if you're... Again, it's probably too early to be desperation streaming, but if you already know you're going to have to catch up in counting stats this week, then Jake Odorizzi is not a bad option here against Washington. It's He's not someone that I highlighted yesterday. He's not like a, a high recommendation or anything, but I think that he should be a serviceable play here tonight against, again, a, a very poor Washington offense. On the other side, Josiah Gray, a little bit too risky for me. Like I, I really like Josiah Gray. I really think that he can be a, a phenomenal pitcher. I think he will be a phenomenal pitcher. He was the centerpiece of that trade for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. I know Kybert Ruiz was also a big piece there, but Josiah Gray was was the money piece, and he hasn't really delivered. I mean, it's kind of hard to deliver on this team. I'm glad that they've given him a chance to start consistently this year. 27 starts, but a 5.17 ERA, 37 home runs, and 63 walks. It's not good. It's not good stuff. Against Atlanta, it's going to be a little too risky. But while we're talking about him, I would be really interested to see where he gets drafted next season. I think I probably would be interested in taking a flyer, assuming he's going to go where I think he's going to go, which is going to be post-pick 200, I would say, at least, you know, maybe 250. Uh, Josiah Gray should be a fairly interesting target. For tonight, I wouldn't do it against Atlanta. It's a little bit... Uh, uh, it's, it's it's a lot of bit risky, really. I shouldn't say a little bit. There could be like a 10 earned run kind of potential there against that lineup, the way they hit home runs and the way that Gray can pitch. I mean, he's, he's good. He's a very good pitcher. But he's just not quite ready, I don't think, to be a fantasy-relevant guy. It's, it's tricky, and, and it hurts. But recently, he hasn't even had the strikeouts that we've become accustomed to. It's, it's, he's a guy who's better left on waiver wires tonight. But let's keep it going, and we'll talk about the Orioles and the Red Sox. We got Dean Kramer and Rich Hill. Dean Kramer, I'd feel maybe all right about here. He's coming off a really good start, obviously, the shutout against Houston. I'm, I'm feeling pretty all right about Dean Kramer. For the most part, he has been pretty serviceable this season, a 307 ERA. I, I'm not even giving him enough due, really. He has been very good. I think he's probably been the best starter over there in Baltimore. The thing is, we saw this with Kyle Bradish yesterday. I had the same kind of worry that coming off a really good start, it's maybe a little bit of a trap where you're going to be in for, I don't know, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's the other team that just watched a lot of your footage or something like that. But he allowed seven earned runs yesterday, Kyle Bradish, after having you know an eight and two-thirds almost complete game shutout against those same Astros that Dean Kramer was able to shut out. So... I think that he's probably a pretty safe option. 
different pitchers. Obviously, you shouldn't use the same kind of evaluation things that I'm doing like that. I'm just, you know, you get in these mental kind of rhythms with players and with different stats sometimes, and you see something happen, and you think that it's going to happen again. And I think that there's a decent chance it could happen again. Now, will Dean Kramer get blown up tonight? Is it likely? I don't think it's likely. But just that same kind of blueprint of great start against Houston. Yep, let's go start them in against Boston. They're a lot worse, and then, and then it's just shit, right? So I, I'd be I'd be a little bit worried about Dean Kramer there. I'd still like him more than Rich Hill for tonight. I think uh, Rich Hill has in his four of his last five starts allowed at least four earned runs. The strikeouts have been okay with him, uh, but he's just Rich Hill is really not that interesting at this point. I'm not really sure how he's still able to pitch at 42 years old. Probably the last couple of starts we're going to see him make. I don't think he'll come back another year. And I don't think that he'll be worth streaming in any kind of fantasy format. I don't think there's too much time I need to spend on him. Dean Kramer, I, I would be – he's the focus here. I would be really interested, but I, at the same time, I'd be very, very nervous uh, about streaming him in here tonight. Next one we're going to get into here is the Marlins and the Mets. we got Jesus Lazardo and Taiwan Walker. I think there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons with both of these guys. Lazardo's coming off of a couple of really good starts in a row. Uh, six and two-thirds against the Cubs, 11 strikeouts, one run. Before that, it was six innings, two runs, and six strikeouts against Washington. Now, the last time he did face these Mets, it was three starts ago. He went three and a third. He allowed five earned runs, three walks, and a homer. He only struck out three. It's been a little bit up and down, mostly good for Lizardo. I mean, I know he's had injury troubles and whatnot this year. It's been a mostly pretty okay season for him in 88 and a third. He's got a 3.57 ERA. But I think we're looking at probably too risky of an option here against the Mets. I'm honestly pretty torn on Lizardo as a whole. I think that he's going to be better than most of the guys you're going to find on waivers tonight. But that Mets offense can be pretty damn scary. So that's why I'm... I don't know. I said there's a lot of pros and cons. I, I do think that it's probably an all right option, or he is an all right option, but there's definitely some risk there. And the same thing on the other side with Taiwan Walker. I mean, you like the matchup against Miami. For the season, he's been pretty good at 3.53 ERA, but these last couple of starts, he hasn't really impressed so much against teams where you would have expected a little bit more, especially his last time out against Milwaukee. Four in runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Before that, it was Pittsburgh. Uh, it was three earned runs, one home run, only five strikeouts. Just, I don't know, not nothing really spectacular. Against Miami, you'd figure he would be able to do pretty well. And I'd say that he's probably a start. But these guys, I'm thinking they're, they're in the exact same kind of boat. I'd probably start them. But there's a lot of risk going on with both of them. But that's, I don't need to say that so many times. That's probably where I, I stand. They're both pretty pretty similar. I mean, ERA is very close, 3.57, 3.53. I do think Lazardo is a better pitcher, but it's a worse matchup. So it's a really tough one to figure out there. I, if I had to only choose one of them to start, I think I would go with Lazardo, even if it, though it's a tougher matchup. Taiwan Walker, he was looking really good earlier in the season, but he's, I don't know, the second half has not been as good as the first half. The strikeout number is not really there. It's a tough one. Both of these guys are pretty tough ones, uh, but I do want to keep it going, and we'll talk about Aaron Nola and Hayden Wisniewski. Aaron Nola, don't need to spend really any time on him here. He is an obvious start against the Cubs on the road. It's it's clear as day that he's a start. Wisniewski is where it gets a little bit more muddy. He's had a couple of good starts here, which is why people have been adding him, but that Philadelphia offense can go crazy, and I think he might be a little bit too risky here. I, I would understand it, but his last two starts, which are both good, were against Colorado and away from Coors and at Pittsburgh, so 
you can't expect the exact same result here against Philadelphia. I think for me, he's probably a little bit too risky. And for the most part, I would be staying away from Wesneski. I think in a deeper league, if you maybe you have to, he would be fine. And he might do very well, but uh, there's just a lot, a lot of risk associated with it. And this time of year, I'm just trying to mitigate the risk. I'm just trying to go for guys who have the highest upside, best matchups. Wisniewski, this has got upside there, but the matchup really does scare me. So I think I'm going to probably be staying away outside of really deep formats. Next one we're going to talk about here is Jose Quintana and Brandon Woodruff. Jose Quintana, I don't know, man. I don't know what he's done these last couple outings, but it's been really the last five outings in a row where he's been really strong. And I actually dropped him. I still won my home league without this, but I dropped him. It was for Braxton Garrett, I believe. Yeah, it was Braxton Garrett because I didn't trust him at the Dodgers. I just didn't. But he went six and two-thirds shutout ball, five hits, and six strikeouts. About as much as he could have possibly asked. He even got a victory, which God bless him. Here, he gets the Brewers, and I think that he's probably still going to be a good start. I mean, it's he's the kind of guy where he's not such a stud where you just, like, you know, constantly a start, always a start. But against a team like the Brewers in the midst of the streak that he's on right now, I think that I'm going to be taking him. The strikeouts are kind of just okay, but the last couple, six and six in each outing, especially against the Dodgers, pff, you will take that any day of the week from Jose Quintana. So Brewers, I would be very much inclined to start him. On the other side here, Brandon Woodruff, he should be a fairly safe start as well. Obviously, St. Louis's offense can be kind of tricky. We know this, but he's coming off of three consecutive starts with double-digit strikeouts. You're just not going to sit Brandon Woodruff today. If you are still playing, obviously, you're listening to this, you're taking this in, you're probably still playing in your championship round. I'd be very much surprised if you were to leave Brandon Woodruff on your bench. Let's keep it going and talk about Johnny Cueto and Josh Wind- I think it's Winder. I'm not sure. It might be... I think it's Winder. Though I have heard a couple people say Josh Winder, but I'm fairly certain it is Winder. Uh, So he is going to be starting up against Johnny Cueto. Neither of them gives me the warm, fuzzy feeling. I think I'd probably rather go with Cueto. Uh, Winder's, I don't know, a lot of home runs. Most of the time you're seeing one or two walks and never more than four strikeouts, four, maybe five. Uh, We did see him earlier in the season in May, strike out eight and seven batters, but those were the only two outings where it was ever over four. So it's kind of hard to rely on him for anything other than, you know, mediocre ratios, chance for some home runs, and a lot of walks. Not really going to be so interested here against the White Sox. Johnny Cueto is a little bit more interesting because he's kind of just had a miracle season, a 3.15 ERA. It's kind of crazy he's got up to 145 innings now. It kind of felt like he came into the season later than he did, uh, middle of May, right? But you miss a month and a half. I mean, a lot of pitchers will pitch the whole season and not throw 145 innings. It's because Johnny Cueto, every time out, pretty much, he's going six, he's going seven. I think there's only one start where he didn't make it through five this year. Like, he's been really serviceable. So I'm all right with a Johnny Cueto start against the Twins. Uh, his last time out was six innings, three earned runs, and three strikeouts. That's the thing with him. You're not going to get a lot of Ks. You're going to hope for ratios. So there is some risk there. There's obviously some risk. The Twins offense probably better than they are perceived to be. So I wouldn't be running to grab Johnny Cueto, but I think if you're fairly desperate, and I would be maybe maybe not even desperate, but I think that if there are less options available than what we're talking about here, if a lot of these guys, especially from yesterday, my preferred guys are already taken, I would be looking to go uh, with Cueto probably, but I would try and do it more so in a deeper league. This next matchup, there's not so much I need to tell you about whether or not to sit or start these guys. Zach Allen and Justin Verlander. This one is, you know, it's going to be the best start of the week, I would say, without having all the matchups here in front of me. Zach Allen has hit a new level, man. His last start was against the Dodgers. Eight innings, two hits, one earned run, 
and 13 strikeouts at Los Angeles. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Zach Gallen, the whole season, I mean, you look at his ERA, 246, 180 strikeouts and 172 innings, only 12 home runs allowed all season, a .89 whip. That streak he went on earlier, I, I love Zach Allen. Zach Allen has been my dude. I drafted him like crazy this season. I've talked about that a lot. He was my guy, and I worry now that next season, any kind of discount, or not even discount, but any kind of maybe decent value that we might have had is is toast because the way he's played these last, I think it's like two full months now of really great performances, he's up to the 15th-ranked player for the season. So next year in drafts, he's going to be going pretty damn high. I don't even know if I'm going to be interested based on that because if he's going to the second round, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to be interested in there. If, there's, if he's going to the fourth, maybe we start to take a little bit more interest in Zach Allen. But what an incredible season that the guy has had. We'll talk more about ADP stuff throughout the offseason, sprinkling a little bit here and there just to get you thinking about it. But on the other side of Zach Allen is a guy who has done even better somehow than what Gallon has done, Justin Verlander. His ERA is like 60 points lower than Gallon's 2.46. We got a 1.82 with Verlander, a .84 whip, 167 strikeouts in 163 innings, and a 17-4 and record, and likely, to top that off, a Cy Young. So Justin Verlander... <sighs> Is, there's, there's, I can't even say enough about the dude. The one thing I, I say, I will say, is that maybe they don't let him go so deep tonight. They've already clinched their division. They're nothing to worry about here. So maybe he only goes three, four, five innings. They don't really need to push him so much. Might be kind of a pain in the ass from a fantasy point of view, which is why you kind of, you know, I like to start end or Jesus word salad. I like to end the season like a week before the actual season ends, or even two weeks before the season ends, just so you avoid these kind of possible scenarios where maybe Verlander goes out and throws six innings. Maybe he throws three innings. It's, it's kind of hard to say. Not so much analysis needed there. Let's move on and talk about the next game here. We have Adrian Martinez pitching for the Athletics and Michael Lorenzen in for the Angels. Neither one of them is really going to be so interesting to me. Adrian Martinez, every time out, he gets absolutely lit up, a bunch of walks. Now, he can get you some strikeouts, but nothing crazy about one per inning, roughly even a little bit less for the season. Uh, 44 of them in 48 and two-thirds. So Adrian Martinez, if you're thinking about streaming him, I, I would really try and find a better option. Michael Lorenzen, I think he's okay. I mean, he, we've seen him have good outings this season. We've seen him have some absolutely like horrendous seven, eight earned run kind of outings at the same time. So it's not without its risk. But he can give you some good strikeouts. There's a decent chance of a victory coming up against Oakland there. Although neither of these teams are fantastic, I would rather bet on him than I would on Adrian Martinez. Still, I would say a deeper league guy, Michael Lorenzen. He's not somebody that I would be interested in. In 10s, for sure. And in 12s, uh, there's no... Uh, maybe maybe in a 12. Maybe in a 12. 15 is where I would really say, yeah, if you want to stream him in a 15-team league, totally cool. Going to have no problem with that. But I think for the most part, he's probably better left as a, as a really deep league or just a, a waiver wire kind of guy, to be honest with you. A couple more matchups we'll talk about here. Julio Urias and Joe Musgrove. Again, not so much needs to be gone into this one in terms of analysis. Joe Musgrove has not been quite as sharp in the second half, but he is coming off of two really good starts against Arizona and St. Louis. Obviously, he's going to be a clear start. Uh, Julio Urias on the other side. I can't even say enough about how much I really like Julio Urias. The dude, the dude is special. Like there are a couple of starts sprinkled in throughout the season where it's four and runs, five earned runs, but pretty much every time it's zero or one earned run. He is striking out 
fairly average amount of batters, 157 strikeouts in 164 innings. He's just he just gets it done. A 2.25 ERA, a .95 WHIP. After last season, we're maybe a little skeptical, even just of his fantasy value because 20 victories, you know, it, it inflates your value. Wins you can't really. I mean, it's obviously indicative somewhat of how the pitcher's doing, but it's not a full reflection of this guy won 20 games. He's the best pitcher in baseball. He was excellent last year. I thought we, people might overdraft him this year, but he's done the same thing, man. 17 and 7, 225 and 0.95. Obviously fantastic. This one, probably the second best matchup that we're going to see tonight. I don't think it's even probably. I think it is the second best matchup that we're going to see. Uh, Zach Gallen and Justin Verlander being the first one there. Martin Perez and George Kirby is the next one we'll talk about. This one could be a pretty good matchup. Martin Perez, not quite the same elite level of pitching we saw earlier in the season, but still very serviceable, not typically giving up any more than three earned runs, usually striking out about five batters, and he's not giving up so many home runs either, only 11 of them in 183 innings. A 290 ERA, a 125 whip, a 12-6 and record for Martin Perez. Now, I caution everybody with Martin Perez next season to not go ahead and draft him where he has produced this season, which if I pull up his ranking, I honestly forget where he's ranked. I think he's probably around 100-ish. Let's see, 142. I would not want to be drafting him in that range next season. I don't think that we will ever see a fantasy-relevant season from Martin Perez again. He had never really had one before this, and now we're looking at a guy who's uh, how old is Martin Perez? Not that old, is he? Yeah, he's 31. He's not that old. He'll be 32 next season by the time we really get going. But he's just never really been this good. He's had a good changeup, good control this season. And he's been fun to watch. But he's just not somebody that I'd really be so invested in uh, long term. And as term, In terms of tonight against Seattle, I think he's a fine option. I think he's a, probably a pretty good option. You're not going to find a better one on the waiver wires. But I think this season might uh, lead us to inflate his value in our heads for next year and I, I would caution against doing that kind of thing with him on the other side George Kirby kind of the opposite thing I would be all in on George Kirby next season I know he's coming off of a bad start against Oakland but like we said DeGrom just had a bad start against Oakland so I think we'll we'll give George Kirby a bit of a pass there for the season even with that bad start a 330 ERA 124 Ks and 120 innings I, I love I love watching George Kirby pitch more so than I will break down analytically what's good about his game. He is just fun to watch, George Kirby. And really, all of those Seattle Mariners guys are. Castillo and Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert, they have a hell of a rotation. They have a hell of a team. And I would be very excited being a Mariners fan for the next couple of seasons. But in terms of tonight, George Kirby should be an absolute must-start for you guys against Texas. On the other side, Martin Perez, I'd say he's probably in the same boat there uh, against Seattle. So this next one here, the Rockies and the Giants, is a little bit of a strange one because only Jose Urania for the Rockies has been announced as a starter. I've checked multiple websites, multiple apps, Twitter. Um, the Giants have not announced who they're going to be going with as of right now. So all we have to go on is Jose Urania, who has been pretty okay recently. I mean, for the season, he's got a 534 ERA. Dreadful. There's been multiple times where he's allowed five, six, seven, eight, nine earned runs, like just brutal stuff. These last three outings have been really good. Arizona, uh, Chicago Cubs, and San Francisco, three in a row that have been pretty good. So maybe you're interested against San Francisco, but we've rhymed off of a lot of dudes who I think are going to be more viable. We've talked about how there's only two teams in any league left. There's not going to be that many dudes getting streamed in. Urania would be a really, a really a desperation play for me. You'd have to be like. You know, your opponent scooped up everybody. Maybe in a points league, you'd be a little more interested. 
I just I don't think that there's really so much of a need to take a chance here on Jose Urania. There's not a lot of upside with strikeouts. Win is going to be iffy to come by. It's it's I would probably pass unless, like I said multiple times today, unless you are really desperate. He is in that desperate bucket. There's only one more game left to talk about for tonight, and I will be in attendance. It is the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They are charging like crazy for these tickets, and I'm kind of pissed off at myself because. Well, I don't know if I should be pissed off at myself just yet because the Yankees clinched the division last night. There's talk online that maybe they sit Aaron Judge today. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to take a seat unless they, like, nail him to that bench. Either he's going to DH or he's going to play in the outfield. Uh, There's only eight games, seven games left in the season for him to break that record. Maybe he doesn't give a shit about the record. I don't think that that's the case. I think that he really wants it. They're walking him every time, which has got to be very frustrating, but I do not see Aaron Judge uh, sitting out one of... You know, at this point of the season, if you look at it in percentages, eight games left, you're going to sit out one. You're going to sit out 12% of games left this season. I know it's kind of a crazy way to look at it, but if you were to put it that way to most people, they'd say, yeah. You know, uh, giving him a rest makes some sense. Maybe, sure, but he's not going to want it. So I think I'm going to be all right probably in seeing Aaron Judge tonight. Maybe there's some other guys that sit, but, you know, I'm hoping to see a good game, Blue Jays victory, maybe a Judge homer. That would be nice. I'm not going to catch it. I'm not sitting in the outfield, so there will not be any $2 million uh, I quit kind of thing tomorrow. I will not be catching that ball. But in terms of our starting pitching matchup, we got Garrett Cole, who there's not too much you need to say really other than maybe he's not quite as hot as he was at one point in his career. A 3.49 ERA, a 1.03 whip. They're not bad numbers at all. But for Garrett Cole, considering a lot of people are going to want to take him in the first round next season, it's been a it's been a rough go. The strikeouts have been there, but the home runs and the walks have also really been there. I'm glad he's facing Toronto right now because, you know, we could go for a victory. I think we can clinch a playoff spot with a victory tonight. That'll be very nice. But in terms of a fantasy perspective with Garrett Cole, I'm I'm not drafting him in the first round next year. I'll tell you that right now. Whether it's 12s, 15s, 10s, or whatever, I'm not drafting Garrett Cole in the first round. I think I'm probably going to have him slotted in there around probably 20. That'll probably where I have him ranked. Yes, he can eat innings, he can get strikeouts, but he's also very inconsistent down the stretch now. This is two years in a row. I'm I'm not a huge Garrett Cole guy, and I think there's better options at the top of the draft board to consider, whether it be specifically, I think it's going to be McClanahan and Burns will be the guys that I'm going to take a look at. I know Burns has struggled down the stretch here. I'm not so worried long term. I think I would take both of those guys before I would take Garrett Cole right now. But on the other side, I certainly take Garrett Cole over this guy. Mitch White, holy smokes, I can't believe we're giving him another start here. Every time out, it's brutal, but I think we'll probably see him go three, four innings or something like that, try and turn it over to the bullpen. I'm not sure if the Jays play tomorrow. Do we have an off day tomorrow? Yeah, we do have an off day tomorrow, so maybe we'll be a little more liberal with uh, you know using guys in the pen. Maybe they go six guys out of the, or hopefully not six, but like four or five guys come out of the pen. They don't care about using a day tomorrow, so Mitch White he's never really great to begin with, but especially, you know, all the factors, the Yankees likely not to go so deep in this game. I, there's, there's no need to be streaming him in. You guys already know this with Mitch White. He's been, he's been awful. When he first came to Toronto, I was thinking, okay, not too bad. It was a couple outings where he was looking pretty good. It was one against the Yankees, four innings, seven hits, only one earned run, five strikeouts. It's like, okay, that's not bad. It's fine. But you can't you can't be streaming Mitch White. It's just too risky. He doesn't give you enough of anything to make it worthwhile. And he should be left right on waiver wires. I'm kind of curious about his roster percentage, actually. I, it can't be high. It can't be more than a couple of percentage. But I'm sure that there are some people desperately holding on. 3%. Yep. Oh, man. That's, that's brutal. 
But uh, I hope you guys know what you're doing if you're starting Mitch White tonight. It might be a bit of a rough go. But, guys, I am going to leave it there. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. And then on Friday, we are going to be doing – well, it'll be taped tomorrow, but you guys will hear it on Friday, an episode with Torres Takes. I don't know if you guys know Torres from Twitter. If you don't, you should, at Torres Takes. He's actually just started up his own podcast over on the Triple Play Network with Mike Carter and Carlos Marcano called the Fantasy Baseball Beat. They're going to be trying to bring on some beat writers around Major League Baseball. It's a great idea. It's a great group, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. We're going to look back at the season as a whole. Maybe we'll see if there's – I think there's one more fab period this weekend, so we'll see if there's maybe anybody that he's interested in picking up, throwing bids down on, anything that interests him uh, heading into next week. But make sure to tune into that one on Friday. Check out these previous couple days' episodes. If you've missed them, they've come out a little bit later in the day. My apologies. And continue to follow over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where you guys will find all of our baseball, fantasy baseball content. Continue to rate, review, download, subscribe, and do all that great stuff. And we will see you again tomorrow, guys. Best of luck and big cheers. Cheers.